my mind may be frazzled this morning playing bass. I play guitar and it comes second nature to me, but I have to think about the bass for a minute. So just give me a minute and I'll get my thoughts in order. Psalm chapter number 34 is where I'm going to be preaching from. Psalm 34. Very familiar. Some of you probably know this psalm. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Psalm chapter 34, verse number 1. If you'll please stand to honor the reading of God's word. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. And keep your Bibles handy. We're going to be in just a few minutes going to another scripture. But the Bible says this. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, it says this. This is David speaking. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were light, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Let's pray. Father, once again, Lord, we say thank you. And Lord, that that little phrase is not sufficient for what my heart feels this morning to be back in church with my brothers and sisters, God. Lord, I just pray that you would have your way this morning and that, God, you would just use me as your vessel. God, I stand here absolutely, Lord, unworthy this morning. God, I just pray that you would be glorified and, Lord, that your word would be lifted up and, God, that it would be understood, but not only that, that it would be applied to hearts. God, I just pray that people would would have their hearts prepared and, Lord, that they would listen not to what I say, but, God, what what you say this morning. And, God, we lift you up. Lord, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you, by just a little quick poll, how many of you like to read the book of Psalms? Just... I like to read it, don't you? It's, it, Psalms is, is a book like none other in the Bible. You can say, well, Proverbs is sort of like it. Well, Proverbs is advice. Proverbs is uh, just, just the way to live your life. But Psalms gives us different perspectives on things. And a lot of Psalms, uh, probably I would say at least every third Psalm, is, is a, a Psalm of praise where David or, or somebody that would, would be in there, whether it be Moses or David or, or whoever, would just stop and say, I've got to praise the Lord for a minute. And so they would take what a, 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 a different church, maybe from us, they would call a praise break or something like that, and they would just say, let's praise the Lord for a minute, but at the top of your at the top of your uh, scripture there this morning, I don't know if your Bible says this, and I'm going to read it, but but it should say this. It says this. It says Psalm 34. It says a Psalm of David. Does your Bible say this? If it does, nod your head with me. It says a Psalm of David when he changed his behavior 
before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. And so if you read that, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface why it says that, that David changed his behavior and then David starts off in verse 1 by saying, uh, bless the Lord. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. So if you will, if you still have your Bible, you can put your marker in Psalm chapter 34, but just for a quick moment, and you can look up here on the screen if you want to. I've got it up there too. Let's go to, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter number 21. And just very quickly, let's get a little background before we go into this psalm and, and sort of unpack it and dissect it. And we're going to read what exactly is happening in the life of David. See, a lot of times we think of David as, as the shepherd in the pasture. We think of David as the giant killer in the valley. We even sometimes think about David as the man on the rooftop, right, Brother Mark, as you preached last week. And David, he's got many facets, and, and he, he, he did some good things, and he did some bad things. But in this scripture we're about to read, this is not David that's in the pasture. He's not the king on the throne. Right here, what we just read in the previous verses is that David is the liar and the coward. Now I want you to understand that David has been anointed king of Israel in, in the previous chapters. I believe First uh, Samuel chapter 14, Samuel shows up and he anoints David king. But if you're a Bible student and you know much about scripture at all, you'll know that when David was anointed the king of Israel, that he did not immediately take the throne. That he did not go in and usurp Saul and say, that is my throne. But instead, David had a little waiting period. And we, we know and we understand that during that time, David had a hard way to go. And that Saul was constantly trying to battle David and that he was trying to kill David to the point that, that David had to run away from Jerusalem. David had to leave the capital and he had to run for his life. And so in the previous verses, uh, verses 1 through 10 of this chapter, and I won't read them, David goes to the house of God. And he does something. He says, I'm on a mission from the king. And he lies to Abimelech, who is the priest at this time that Psalm 34 mentions there. And he tells Abimelech, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm on a mission. And he said, I don't have any weapons. Can you arm me? And so Abimelech says, the only weapon that I have here in the house of God today is the sword of Goliath. So if you remember back when, when David killed Goliath, what did he do after he hit him with the rock? Everybody knows he pulled Goliath's own sword out, right? And he decapitated Goliath. And then somewhere along the line, that sword was turned over. I guess it was turned into evidence. And they put it in the house of God. And so David now has Goliath's sword. And if you'll recall that, that Goliath was from a place called Gath. And just you can turn your attention to the Bible or the screen or whatever. But the Bible says this. It says, And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate. It says, And he let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? 
Have I need of mad men that you brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Now hold on, Matthew. Now let's look at this. David is running for his life. He is scared for his life. Has anybody in here ever thought that you were about to die? Has that thought ever crossed your mind? Anybody? No? Nobody ever here? Uh, Gail thought she was going to die one time. Probably driving too fast, but I, that's just a guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, you'll do, some, you'll do some funny things when you're scared, won't you? I mean, you really will. I'll I tell you when, uh, I, I, this, y'all are going to laugh at me. But sometimes when you go, and any of you that deer hunt will know this and, and kind of or know anything about going into the woods, sometimes in the dark in the woods, Gene, you hear some funny noises, don't you? And you hear stuff out there, and, and, and I tell you what, sometimes I go out in the woods and I hear something and I think I could just climb a tree without a tree stand. I can do some funny things when I get a little, get a little fear in me. And you think, well, you're scared of the dark. No, I ain't scared of the dark. I'm scared of what's in the dark. But anyways, and so you'll do some funny strange things and so David is literally scared he says if I stay in Jerusalem Saul will kill me and so he takes off and he goes to a place the strangest place you could go to which is Gath now Goliath the man that David had killed is from Gath and so David goes from killing this giant to going to his hometown and David shows up and he's scared and so Achish, who is the king of the Philistines, looks at David and he says, wait a minute. He says, I know who you are. David probably didn't tell him his name, didn't reveal his identity. But, but this king looked at, took one look at David and he says, I know who you are. He said, you killed Goliath. And not only did you kill Goliath, but you've got his sword right there with you. I know that sword. That's Goliath's sword. And so Achish was now mad at David. And so now David is backed up in a corner like he's never been backed up in a corner. Not only can he not go home because if he goes to Jerusalem, he dies, but now he's run to this place of refuge and they found out who he is and now they're going to kill him. And so David did what any normal person would do. You know what he did? He just started acting like a crazy person. You read that, if you go back, can you go back a couple of slides, Matthew? I don't know if you can or not. One more, I believe. It says this, and he feigned his behavior, or he changed his behavior before them, and he feigned that he was mad. So much that he started scratching on the doors and let the spittle or the spit fall down into his beard. And so David said, I guess the only thing I'm going to do, he said, I'm going to act like that I have lost my mind and he said, and hopefully they'll let me go. And so, sure enough, Achish says, I don't need this madman. So if you go on and down, now chapter number 22, if you've got your Bible, you can, you can look down to verse number, or chapter 22, verse number 1. They sent him away, the, the, the Philistines did. And it says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. 
So I read all that and told you this story to set you up for this psalm. Is everybody still with me this morning? If you are, nod your head real, real good. Everybody awake? Everybody glad to be in God's house this morning? David, I mean, could you imagine? I, I don't know about you, but, but I've never had anybody hunting me down. I, you know, I haven't. But this man, everywhere that he turned, somebody was out to get him. Somebody was trying to stick a sword in him and make an example out of David. And so finally, David escapes and he runs and he hides and he he finds himself a cave to hide in. Now, when he finds that cave in 1 Samuel chapter 22, some of the guys hear that David's back in the country and he's found himself a cave. And they said, we're going to go and we're going to visit David. Now, that's very important for the psalm that we're about to read, some of the, the wording in the psalm. And David has gathered this group of men, 400 of them, and now he has an audience And David no doubt told these men, he said, how I ended up in this cave is that I went to the Philistines and I acted like a maniac and they sent me out of here and here I am in this cave. He said, I can't go home and I can't go there so I guess we're just going to make the best of what we have. And so David, I want you to understand, did this. The situation that he was in, here's the message, here's what we need to understand. The place that David was when he wrote this psalm, Psalm chapter 34, was not an ideal place. It wasn't the best place he had ever been and it wasn't the best place that he was going to be in his life, but it was sure better than where he was before. Do you understand that statement or do I need to say it again? The place that David was was not ideal. It wasn't perfect, but it sure beat being where he was at one time. And I can, I can reflect with that. I can say, hey, I understand what's going on in David's life at this time. I can, I can kind of understand where David is, that even though he's in a cave and even though that he's on the run, he's, he's still safe at the moment. He's in a good position. And not only that, but he has some friends with him. He has some folks that are going to support him. And so David looks at these men And I don't know if he sung it. I don't know if he recited it off. But you know what he said to these guys? He said, hey, we're in this moldy cave. But he says this. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. David said, no matter if I'm in the cave or if I'm in the Philistinian city or if I'm in Jerusalem where Saul's trying to kill me, no matter where I'm at, he said, I am going to praise the Lord at all times. And then he says this. He says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise will be in my mouth. Now that's the same mouth that just just a few chapters ago we read that he had went and lied with that mouth. And he, he had deceived the very priest of God with that same mouth. Now I'm going to take a time out. Let's take a time out and let's get real serious here. Anybody that gets offended easily, you might want to just close your ears off, okay? It is very important that good things come out of your mouth. Because the Bible says this, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, I don't know another way to put it, so I'm just going to say it like we would say it in Sparta. Okay? All right? I know I'm a hillbilly. I get it. But if, if your mouth ain't right, your heart probably ain't right. 
Somebody ought to just jump up and say amen right there. <laughs> David, his, his mouth wasn't right with the priest. He was telling lies. But then no doubt his life flashed before his eyes when he got down there with the, with the Philistines and, and he was scared to death. And he said, you know what? He said, he said, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. And so he says that his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So there's your question right there. And, and maybe that's just for one or two people. I don't know. But what's coming out of your mouth? That's a good question, isn't it? I mean, your mouth, that, that thing right there, this little, this little thing on your face, it can get you in a whole lot of bad places real quick. And it had done that to David. Now he's got the priest mad at him. Everybody's mad at David except for 400 guys. But David goes on and he says that not only shall his praise continually be in my mouth, but he says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. He says, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his individual praise life at this time. And no matter where I'm at, whether I'm down there with the Philistines or in Jerusalem or in this cave, or he says, or later on, he says, when I'm sitting on the throne of, God, of Israel, uh, ruling over the, the Israelite people, he said, I'm still going to praise the Lord when I get there. It's all been individual up to this point. But again, he had, he had an audience at this time, he had 400 men sitting there with him. And so David said, now I'm not going to leave you guys out. He goes on to say this. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now David said, I'm not going to exclude you guys. He said, because I know that some of you are in the exact same shape that I am at this time. Now I want you to see who's with David. And, and I'm flipping around a lot, but just bear with me. Verse 2 of Samuel chapter 20, 1 Samuel 22, you don't have to go there, Matthew. He says, and everyone that was in distress, so this is his audience, people that are in distress. Anybody in here ever in distress? Or maybe you're in distress right now. And then he goes on to say this, and everyone that was in debt, oh my goodness, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves together. These folks that David had with them, they were not really in a good place in their life at that moment. These guys were looking to get away from Saul and all the things that were going on back in Jerusalem. And David said, now hold on a minute. He said, I know you're discontented. He said, I know you're in debt and I know that you're in distress and all these terrible things are going on in your life. He said, but let's just take a time out for just a minute. He said, and let's magnify the Lord. Can you say amen? David said that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad it seems, he says, for goodness sake, Saul's trying to kill me. He said, Achish, king of the Philistines, he's trying to kill me. He said, but you know what? I'm still going to praise the Lord. I'm still going to magnify the Lord. I like that word magnify that he uses right there. You know what that word magnify means? It means to make him real big. It means to, to lift the Lord up and make him so big in your life that, it, that people can't see anything else but the Lord when they see you. You know that's what we ought to be doing every day. You know that when you walk out your door in the morning because church is not just on Sunday, Christianity is not just on Sunday, it's on Monday morning too. And when you walk out your door tomorrow morning and, and, and everybody loves Monday mornings, right? I mean that's just everybody's favorite time of the week. Yeah, you get up and 
you, you're, you know, you've, you've ate real good on Sunday. You went to KFC and you're still partially in that carb coma and you're not feeling it. But you get up and you go out and you get to work. And you know what? Praise should be coming out of your mouth. And that God should be magnified. Now, I don't know why this just came to me. I guess the Lord put it in my mind. But I used to work with a guy that was, went to a, another denomination from us. And I won't mention it. But, but he, would come in every, he would come in every Monday morning. And he knew I was a pastor. And this was, this was several years ago, not, not when I worked in the probation office. And he would come up to me. And the first thing that he would want to do is he would want to give me a bad report about his church. I mean, first thing, and I loved it, you know, that's, the first, that's what I wanted to hear at 7 a.m. was all the bad things that's going on in his life. That wasn't magnifying the Lord, was it? He was telling me about all the other people's problems and, and just about how bad they were, and I'm thinking, well, if they're that bad, you probably need to find somewhere else to go to church or you need to get your heart right with the Lord, right? But we shouldn't go to, go to work tomorrow morning and, and say, I tell you what, Brother Seth, he, he preached way too long. Or Brother Cecil, those songs he sung, I didn't like them. I tell you, I wish they'd, just, I wish they'd do something different. And, and all these things, and we can nitpick and we can find things and find faults everywhere if we want to. But I tell you what, can I just, can I just make a statement here? That if we would put our focus on God and put God in his rightful place and magnify him, all those other little things that we nitpick about wouldn't, wouldn't be so major in our life if we would magnify the Lord, not magnify problems, not magnify each other, but magnify the Lord. That's what David said. He said, you guys, he said, you, 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 you bunch of heathens, he said, you've been in distresses and dead and, and discontentment. And, and he said, things are not going well in your life. He said, but now, he said, we're free from all that. He said, he said, and we can just stop for a few minutes while we're not being harassed by the things of this world and we can just praise the Lord. We ought to learn a lesson this morning, oughtn't we? And not only that, but he goes on to say magnify. He said, and let us exalt his name together. Now, I like it when we meet together and do things, don't you? I like praising the Lord individually. I really do. This morning, I got here kind of early, and, and I'm not trying to, 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 to just tell my life, but I got here, and I was walking around, and I was praying, and, and, and I got a song on my heart, and I praised the Lord by myself. And that's good. It really, I like doing that. But let me understand, there's just something about when we all get in one accord and we all get in with each other and get unified and we praise the Lord and exalt Him together, there's just something special about that. You know why? Because Jesus Himself said that if two or three are gathered, He said, I'll be in the midst of you. And, and there's way more than that here this morning. So if we're together this morning and he is here, we ought to just praise him. We ought to say, thank you, God. Now you say, why should I praise him? Maybe you're, my back's hurting. Or, or maybe I've got this, this diagnosis pending. Or, or things are not going so well in my life. Well, hey, these guys were discontented and indebted and all these other things. David was running for his life. You're not in that bad of shape, are you? And so I think about this, that where you're at this morning, if you're sitting in God's house, <laughs> you're in a pretty good place. 
You're in, a, you're in a place that a lot of people would love to be in. I mean, there's a lot of people that would love to change seats with you. Amen. They would love to. They'd love to be right here. And so I think about the fact that, that, that everything may not be perfect in my life. I mean, I've got problems too. I deal with issues uh, you know, things happen to, to me just like they do everybody else. But let me tell you, this morning, I can say praise the Lord. Because where I'm at right now is a whole lot better than where I have been before. Amen? <laughs> let me take that a step further and say this, that, that you say, well, you've been in better places. Yeah, I have. But let me tell you this, that, that on my worst day as a Christian, I'm saved you know, one time I was lost. And at one time you saved people. All you maybe that have been saved for 40, 50, 60 years and, and you've been saved most of your life still understand this, that you were lost at one time. And where you're at now, whether it be a, a bad spot or a bad day or, or sickness may have hit you, if you're saved, I promise you, you're a lot better off than you have been. We ought to just stop and say, praise the Lord for that. You ought to be thankful you're saved. You ought to be glad that you don't have to go to hell this morning. Say, can you just put your hand in there and say, thank you, Lord, for that if you're saved? I mean, some people don't like to put their hand in there. I just, I don't know what it is, but there's just something that frees me when I do that. You know what that's a sign of right there? I surrender. That's why we do that. And you say, Lord, thank you. And then David goes on. He doesn't stop there. He could have. But he said, I sought the Lord. I started seeking the Lord. And he said, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6, he said, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles David is still being hunted Saul still trying to get his hands on David but David said you know when I was down there in Gath he said and, and, and I had those Philistines surrounding me could you imagine that would be a bad situation to be in especially when you had killed their, their big bad man and right there in the middle of all that in, in, in 1 Samuel you read chapter 21 it said that David feared for his life that David was scared to death David said well it's been good he said I was supposed to be the king of Israel but he said I'm probably facing execution now look what I have gotten myself into I've walked into the camp of the enemy and now they've surrounded me got their swords out and they're going to kill me and so, so David in that time he started crying out to the Lord he sought the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. He said, Lord, if you're still here, can you get me out of this? Have you ever said that in your life? You ever been in that shape? It may not be that, that people were trying to kill you, but you, I'm sure you've done that in your life where you say, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this, it, it, it would be great and I'll serve you and, and we make all these promises. And guess what? More often times than not, God gets us out of it. Can you say amen? Are y'all Okay. You know, David, what's, what's strange about this whole situation 
is that David got himself into this situation. David walked right into that city. It wasn't that, that you know, he was taken there by Saul and dropped off and said, I'm going to let the Philistines have you. No, David walked right into that trouble. David walked right into that situation. And even in the midst of his worst day, God was still with him. God was still right there. And then he goes on to say that, that he saved me from my troubles. He said, I didn't deserve to be saved from that. He said, he said for, for, for goodness sake, I just lied to the priest of God. I just lied to him and, and, and told, told the preacher a lie. Anybody ever done that? Don't say amen right there, okay? <laughs> but he did. And, and he had basically just, he had, he had been doing some pretty bad stuff. And even in the midst of all that, God still looked at him and said, he's one of mine. That even though it was bad and David wasn't doing all that great spiritually and, and, and he wasn't on the, the throne of Israel yet, he was still in God's favor. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now I like the next verse. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. The angel of the Lord, now think about that. That's, that's a promise from, from, from God right here that David said that the angel of the Lord, that God is guarding you if you fear him. I like that in camps round about. That not only the angel of the Lord, now what that means is this, that when you're in trouble, that when you're in distress, that God does not have to show up from somewhere else to come to you. God doesn't have to drop what he's doing and say, oh, Austin's in trouble or Zeb's in trouble or, or, or Connie's in trouble and this situation's going on. No, if you're one of his, the angel of the Lord's already camped out. If you fear the Lord, God's already there and he is ready to pull you out of your troubles even if you've got yourself into it sometimes. Now, will that come with, some, with you asking forgiveness? Absolutely it will. Will it sometimes come with you having to humble yourself before God? Absolutely it will. But you can write it down and take it to the bank that the word of God says that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that love him and delivers them. I think about what I was delivered from. Some of you were delivered from far worse things than I was. Some of you might have been alcoholics. Some of you might have, have, have beat your wives or maybe beat your husbands. I don't know. Some of you have, have done awful things in life. But if you're saved, God has forgiven you from those things and pulled you from them. And sometimes we forget about that. We, we shouldn't, but we do. We're an awful forgetful people, aren't we? We forget real quick about all the things that God has delivered us from. And after David said all that, he tells those men, he said, he said that when I was down there in Gath, he said that the Lord was with me, that the angel of the Lord was camped out right there and I was able to escape. And then again, I like this next verse. I, I like this whole section of Scripture. So then David looks at these men, maybe he looked them in the eye, just... Just making a supposition here. And he says, Oh, taste 
and see that the Lord is good. Blessed or blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You say, well, what do you mean, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? What does that mean? What's he, what's he talking about? Oh, taste and see. I think what David was, was trying to convey in this moment, taste and see. I think today, here's what we would say. We would say, try it for yourself. Try it for yourself. And, and uh, you know, you, you can think of many examples, but I think about maybe, maybe some ice cream or something. You know, you see a new ice cream flavor. And Lacey, she's, she's a weird person about flavors. She loves everything. I mean, she'd eat possum-flavored ice cream if they had it, I'm pretty sure. But, but she'll say, she'll, say she'll, go to the, she'll go to the store and she'll order the oddest things, you know. I mean, I'm talking like peanuts and, and, and bubble gum or something. I don't know. <laughs> and she'll take, a, she'll take a bite of it and she'll say, man, this is good. But I'm just the opposite. You know what kind of ice cream I like? I like vanilla. Right? I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hard to please. You just give me a vanilla ice cream cone, I'm happy. And I'll, I'll look at Lacey and I'll say, that can't be good. And you know what she'll say? She'll say, why don't you just try it for yourself? That's what she'll say. Anybody ever heard that? Why don't you just try it for yourself? That you can't fully experience how good something is by just listening to somebody tell you about it. I can describe how good God is. I can tell you all the things that God has done for me. I can tell you where he's brought me from and things that he's brought me through that I shouldn't have made it through and all these things that God has done for me. But listen, you cannot fully understand these things until you try it for yourself. You just can't get it. It just won't click until you try God for yourself. And so David, I don't know, maybe he gave an invitation to some of these men. He says, you were in distress, and he said, maybe you still are in distress. Maybe you're still discontented. Maybe things are not going well in your life. He said, why don't you try the Lord? David said, this is what God just brought me through. I should be dead right now. They should be out, out back burying me somewhere because I ought to have a, a Philistinian sword in my, in my heart. He said, but I don't because God delivered me. The angel of the Lord was encamped round about me and I cried unto him and he was still there and he saved me out of it. He said, and if you don't believe how good God is, he said, try him for yourself. And so there's a, there's a message this morning. There's the invitation this morning. There's the message to the lost. If you're lost this morning, if you don't know God and you, you sit through church, you know there's a lot of lost people that are faithful to be at church and they see, they see Christians worship the Lord and they see Christians get up and testify and say God is good to me and God's done this and, and all these things and, and we talk about the word of God and all these things and you say, well, I just don't understand that. Well, really, you can't can't understand it until you do it for yourself. Amen? You're not going to heaven off my description of anything. 
You can't go to heaven just because I stand up and preach the Bible. Now, I appreciate you being here and listening. I'm glad you're here, but I want you to understand that you have to do it for yourself. David said, taste and see. See for yourself that the Lord is good. Every Christian ought to be able to say amen to that. And you ought to be able to look at the lost people and, and you don't need to do that, but, but you should look at them and, and say, hey, lost person, pray that prayer right now for the lost people in here. Pray that they would be able to taste and see how, just how good God is. Now, I didn't get saved just so I could have the goodness of God. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. But let me understand that when God saved me, he's been awfully good to me. He's been a whole lot better to me than I deserve. And he pulls me out of situations that I should have never been in to start with. God is so gracious and he is so good. Why don't you taste and see for yourself? Amen. Brother Cecil, come on. Musicians, come on. Everybody stand and bow your heads and let's pray. And I hope this message has, has went to ears that would understand it. Father, Lord, I come before you humbled this morning. And God, I thank you for standing with me. God, I thank you for doing the preaching this morning. And Lord, as your word goes out, and has went out, and will continue to go out, God, that you would penetrate heart. God, that you would soften people's hearts. And Lord, that they wouldn't have to stand on the outside looking in and say, man, those Christians are enjoying that. Those Christians get all those great benefits. God is so good to them. But they could taste and see for themselves. God, I just pray that you would move in a mighty way. God, I just pray that you would, would help people this morning. And God, if anybody's lost, and no doubt in a crowd this size, somebody don't know you, God, I just pray that you would move upon them. God, we just pray for power. We pray for conviction in this moment. And God, I just pray that you would convict some Christian folks, Lord, that are not saying thank you from where you brought me from. God, forgive us for not always magnifying you as we should. Lord, I just pray that you would move in this service and, God, that you would save somebody this morning. God, we praise you. And, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Cecil. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. Somebody's on the altar praising the Lord right now. Anybody else want to come? And just bow down before God and thank Him. It's okay to pray. You can you can come and spread out on this altar if you want to. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Thank you. 
Praise God. 